This is Philippe Lewis, and you're listening to Entheo Nation with Lorna Liana. Welcome to Entheo Nation, where we feature visionaries who are pioneering the cutting edge of awakening. Psychedelic science, modern shamanism, neuroscience, new paradigm lifestyles. Get ready to harness the power of visionary states and forge reality into your wildest dreams. tribe of Entheo Nation. This is Lorna Liana and welcome to episode 26 where I have Philippe Lewis back to share his wisdom about relationships and how you can be a truly exquisite lover. His earlier episode, What Men Want and What Women Want, was one of our most popular episodes, no doubt. Check out that interview at entheonation.com slash nine. Today, he's going to share with us how you can have an exquisite time at Burning Man and at other transformational festivals with your lover, his 10 rules for Burning Man, and how to avoid relationship-destroying pitfalls that can happen in a harsh party environment. I want to give a shout-out today to Benja, who wrote this heartwarming review on iTunes. He said, This podcast is crucial to the evolution of humanity. Lorna does an excellent job bringing information out about the resurgence in psychedelic culture. I believe it will help the world to re-embrace the beautiful gifts that plants and altered states of consciousness have been sharing with humanity for centuries. Thanks, Lorna. I am sharing this with my friends as a must-listen to. Thanks so much, bro. Aho! Don't forget to check out today's Medicine Music for the Soul, which comes from The Human Experience, a.k.a. David Block, who I always so enjoy hearing on the playa and at other transformational festivals. You will love him. If you would like to receive a free transcript of this episode, it is super easy. Simply text Entheonation, that is E-N-T-H-E-O-N-A-T-I-O-N, to the number 44222. Just reply to the SMS with your best email to get access to premium content that's only available to bona fide citizens of Entheonation. If you like this episode, I would so appreciate it if you would take the time to rate and review the show in iTunes, as this will increase Entheonation's visibility in the iTunes marketplace and help get this life-changing information out to the people who need it. Now on to the show. Hello, beautiful evolutionaries. This is Lorna Liana here for another episode of Entheo Nation. And I am back today with Philippe Lewis, who is a dear friend. Philippe is a sex and intimacy teacher and coach based out of the San Francisco Bay Area. And he has been going to Burning Man since 1998. 
So he has gathered some great relationship wisdom for us today as we ready ourselves for the burn. So if this is your first time going to Burning Man with a partner, or even if it's not, this episode is for you. Thank you so much for joining us today, Philippe. You're welcome. It's great to see you again. Totally. So I just want to have you introduce yourself to the audience as to, you know, who you are, what you do, and what makes you a Burning Man expert. Oh, my Burning Man expert. I'm sure Burning Man will sue me for that one. Okay. Uh, That's right, right. So don't worry about it. no, no, I'm not worried. I'm not worried about it. It's just, it's just, it's just funny how Burning Man is just so particular about the way Burning Man is used. But it's, it's okay. I mean, essentially, I've been going to Burning Man since 1998. That's a long time. It's almost 20 years. Wow, we're, you know, 2018 is not that far. So I've had a lot of experiences, whether they were with my wife, my now wife, and we've been going to Burning Man. We probably went to Burning Man seven or eight times together went through all the possible crunchiness and difficulties that you can imagine. Well, although we never actually broke up on the playa, that would be a, that would be a different one. But fortunately, we never reached that point. But there's been some really, really intense moments. And then, uh, and then when not with her, I've been with different lovers because we're open or even before her and even by myself. Uh, and I've gone to, I've done big theme camps or I've done small intimate theme camps or just camping by myself or with a few friends. So it's just a wide range of experiences I've accumulated. And, and essentially, I geek out on this kind of stuff. I love the way I love figuring out the way people interact and why they inter- why they behave the way they do, and and then I just kind of extract little bits of clarity and wisdom out of that, and then I just share it. And so you could call me an expert or you could call me a geek. That's my way of reclaiming the word geek. It's just somebody who's really really into uh, what they do or what they're into, and in my case, it's relationships and intimacy. So how many times have you been to Burning Man? I think I'm going on 11 times at this point. Wow, I skipped yeah. a few times. I skipped a few times because I could, because I could travel, go. One year it was agonizing, but I, we decided to, we decided to go to India and Thailand, and just we and on the night of the burn we were flying out. Uh, another time we went to Maui, and we actually managed to watch the burn on our phone via essentially it was like the phone to the cell network via satellite to Burning Man. Watching the man burn. It was amazing. It was, it was, and it was hilarious. Like we were watching the man bur- burning as we were camping on the edge of a beach on Maui. So there's just a, you know, a lot of a variety of experiences not going to Burning Man and experiencing what it feels like to not be there when all of your friends are there and having an incredible time. I know. I'm I, having that fear of missing out that FOMO moment right now. Oh, I'll uh, still be in Burning Man uh, during the burn. No, I'll still be in Barcelona during the burn. And so, yeah, all my friends are going and I'm like, you know, Spain is really awesome. And I think I'm just going to huh. be here. But man, there's like, I got these pangs of oh, Wait, <laughs> wait. Spain has, uh, Spain has, has, has its own regional burn, right? Nowhere, I think it's called. Yes, that already happened. And, uh, and I missed it, unfortunately. I kind of just uh. arrived around that time and just learned about it. So, but yeah, next time, which is good. And, you know, hey, that's really great to know about Spain also. So it's a Burning Man friendly country. Yay! <laughs> Absolutely. So you uh, mentioned yeah. that you had some really intense moments at uh, on the playa. Uh, and, you know, I've heard of many couples breaking up and many friendships ending on the playa. So I'm kind of curious to know, you know, why does that happen? 
Well, it's 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 pretty simple. I mean, uh, the 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 play. I mean, uh, the 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 play is a cauldron. It's a it's not just a cauldron. It's a hot it's a hot dry cauldron. You you throw people in there, and they they go through all sorts of uh, to through all sorts of states simply because it's an it, it's an intense environment, and so it's dry. It's hot. There's a lot of people. It's very noisy. Of course, they party their asses off. A lot of people do. I don't know if it's the way I would say most, but a lot of people do. So they're pushed by the elements. They're pushed by lack of sleep, often lack of water, lack of food, or or they, their body feels different. They haven't acclimated. So for all of these reasons, and and of course drugs. There's you know some people do drugs. I don't know about you, but that certainly happened to me a few times. And uh, and so. Oh, or whatever you call it, of course, medicine, drugs. Uh, and, then, <laughs> and then ultimately, it just pushes you in so many different directions. And so the result is, if you're in a relationship and there's anything shaky inside of it, in the ways that you relate with your partner, that's going to get magnified. So uh, often often I tell people, the pla- the, I tell, often tell people, the playa is a cauldron and the playa that magnifies everything. I would completely agree. The last time that I went to the the, the playa was uh, really challenging with my partner. And like, I think, you know, it really did accelerate (coughs) because we had some irreconcilable differences. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm kind of curious to know then for, you know, you know, like we went into the playa, you know, wanting to have the most amazing experience that, you know, we could have. And obviously, you know, there were moments of that. And then there were kind of like moments of, um, of challenge, especially in the low serotonin moments. So I'm curious to know, what is your best <laughs> advice to people, whether friends or couples, on how to optimize their enjoyment on the playa while minimizing potential conflicts? Wow. I would say uh, there's, a, there's a few things. We can go into, the, into details with some of them if you'd like. You just, you just have to tell me. Having a vision for your time on the playa is very, very important. Of course, you can just show up and see what happens, but that's also leaving things up to chance. It'd be like traveling to a new country and deciding you're just going to see what happens. And, and then often what, what actually ends up happening is the elements start to impact you, the lack of sleep, you know, all the things that I just mentioned earlier about that, that can impact, that can impact your experience, start to impact your experience and then kind of lose track of the openness and the ease that can come with just allowing what happens. Because you never, you were never, you were never thinking in the first place that you were going to be less able to allow for this kind of serendipity. So having a plan or a vision of some sort is really helpful. So by that, I mean having, there's, there's different ways to make a plan. So I'll, I'll just leave it at that and we can go deeper into that. There's, there's also making a bit of a bucket list or checklist. If there's a way that you can come up, which, is, which often people do, make a list of the DJs you want to see, the classes you want to take, so that on any given day, if you're like, what are we doing today? What's going to happen? Then you have some ideas. And that might spark some inspiration that will kind of take you out of the possible funk that you might be in at any moment, whether it's because of the heat or because of food or because your bad body is still acclimating. So having these things that are inspiring uh, you to get out of your camp and go out and explore. Sometimes it just happens. You see an art car driving by, or you know there's a there's a DJ playing at three o'clock in the afternoon or in the middle of the night. Then that just pulls you along in a way that that is inspiring. So that's that's what I'm talking about. Now, 
few other things. Uh, you can also have intentional days. You can, can create days that are going to be about something in particular. So I'll name a few just to give you an example. You can have what's called a Wednesday, which is essentially a low prep, high serendipity day. You just basically go out with as little stuff as possible, just water maybe, you go out naked with water, and then just go and explore. So you're not worried about all the gear. You're not worried about what's going to happen. What's going to happen is, is essentially what's going to happen. And, and you don't go into too many details about what that's going to look like. So it's just about being open. You can do a day trip, uh, day tripping. And most people forget that they can just do a day, uh, do day tripping in terms of drugs. They often think that it's only happening at night. But daytime can be really awesome, too. It's a different experience. The same drugs will impact you in a totally different way. Having an art day or an art night where you, all you're doing is going from art to art to art to art. It's kind of doing a tour of the art. And it's totally different during the day as it is in the night. A flirting day. You could just go around and either give compliments to people, appreciation to people, giving things away to people. I call it flirting, but it's not necessarily sexual or, se or sensual flirting. It could just be a way to interact with people. Having a split day, which means that you are going on your own for a whole day and your partner is going on their own for the whole day and you make a plan to come back to camp on uh, at a specific time, such as sunset or sunrise. That's a really good one. It's nice yep. to be able to have your own independent experience of Burning Man, especially if you're out on different totally. rhythms, right? Like sometimes one person takes much longer to, you know, pull stuff together. Like I know that I've, I have this thing about sunsets. I love to take uh. you know, photos at sunset and sunrise and I don't want to be waiting around for anything. I just want to be out there because sunsets only like for maybe an hour and then it's night and then you miss out the opportunity because the sculptures are so incredible at sunset, mm. especially when they're all lit up and everything's like all pink and purple. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great, great advice there. Yeah. So, yeah. So make it. So just to recap, make a checklist, create a vision. There's a particular way that you can create a vision. It's called a CPR. You can Google it or I'll uh, I'll put it in the notes for the show. And uh, so you can. But basically what it is, is that you're. It stands for context, purpose, and results. Uh, so it's a, it's a particular structure where you, you state all the results that you want to see happen as if they happened in the past. And then the purpose is kind of a statement that basically explains what those results actually mean. So it would sound like the purpose of my trip to Burning Man is to enjoy myself in the most amazing way so that my relationship with my sweetie is strengthened forever and ever. That would be an example. So the purpose of X is X so that X. And then and essentially you just sort of plug in the words and then see what comes out. The idea as your work, as you're writing the results and the purpose and also the context, which I'll talk about in a second, is to create something that's inspiring for both people. Now, the results don't need to happen for sure. They can just be something that might happen that you would like to see happen. And when you speak about it, it's inspiring. But it's not, it's not a checklist that you need to have happen once you get there. And then the purpose also should be something that's inspiring in terms of a sentence. It should be like, wow, I, I want that. And your partner is like, yeah, I want that too. And then the last piece is the context. And the context is just one, two, or three words that, ex that sort of is the title of that whole experience we're trying to create or that whole vision. So it could be shining love. It could be 
amazing adventures. It could be it could be anything that both people are going to look at each other like, wow, I want to go on that trip with you. Now that I know that we both agree and we both feel good about this experience together as we spelled it out. You know, this is also really great advice for the grand playa. So, you know, whatever oh, yeah. you do uh, on the playa and in this whole framework that you suggested, I mean, could you imagine if you took this into the world at large and how your experience would change with, you know, you and your beloved or, you know, you and your friends or just even you interacting in the world? Absolutely. It's, uh, it's something that's that you could use anytime in your life, and it just creates more consciousness around what happens. The more conscious you are about your experience, the more you're gonna get out of it. Most of the time, I, I can't recall one time where this was not true. And so, it's just really about putting more attention on the experience rather than just letting it happen. Sometimes, when you let things happen, it turns out amazing. And to put a little bit of intention into it is not to say that serendipity gets taken out of the equation. It's just to be a little bit more conscious and a little bit more focused on your experience, which gives you so much more appreciation for it. And when something random completely happens, you get to experience it more because instead of and basically instead of missing it, instead of missing it, because you have your attention on it. Okay, so then what uh, do you have any additional recommendations for couples? So, you know, it can be really pretty intense to be with each other in a harsh party environment 24 7 for three to seven hot, dusty days. So imagine that and being uh, in a tent and really hungover. So, you know, what <laughs> other like, you know, relationship maintenance uh, tips do you have? Okay, well, there's, there's, there's a couple of things I, I want to speak to. There's, Having the basics handle is super, super, super important. So I'd like to, I'd like to get into that just for, for a minute. And then, and then I've got these, these rules of that, that my wife and I and, and a couple of friends came up with, uh, called, we called the rules of Burning Man, which is sort of like, here are the, if you've ever seen Fight Club, then you, you know, you know the rules of Fight Club. And, um, it's kind of the same idea is to basically, we came up with these rules that, at any moment, we can look at each other and say, rule number three or rule number five, instead of going into a big explanation about what's going on. So I can go into that as well. But first, I'd like to say the main, the most important thing, the basics of being at Burning Man together with a partner is to have your heart, your mind, and your body handled. If you've got all three, then everything will go a lot more smoothly. And a lot of people forget about the body part because they don't realize, especially if it's their first time at Burning Man, they don't realize that their body is going to be massively impacted. And then when your body's impacted, your heart is impacted, and you can't think straight. So I'll just go into that really quickly. First, acclimation. It's important to get your body ready for the playa. It's, it makes a big difference if you spend a lot of time in the sun ahead of your trip. And get used to put on sunscreen all over. And expect that the playa will be hot, dusty, and dry. And it'll take about two to three days for your body to kind of adjust to that kind of heat, that kind of dryness and dustiness. Some people never get used to any of it. And they feel miserable the whole time. And that's also a possibility. So just... Keep in mind to take good care of your body. And here are some of the ways that you can do that. Have the right food and eat well. So, I mean, that should be a given. But when you're in a hot, dry environment, often people are less hungry. So they stop eating. 
And so you want to get the most, your most favorite foods on the playa and the, the ones that are easy to prepare that won't go bad so that when you're hungry, you're just going to grab something and eat it. And by won't go bad, I mean fruit. Fruit will go bad really fast. Bread will go back really fast. In fact, I'll share a document that has my favorite tips that includes some of these things. Water. Always drink more water than you think is necessary. I think that's pretty, that's pretty much a given, but people who don't go to the desert don't realize that even when they're not thirsty, they should still drink water. And then it's, it's good to have things like emergency in it and will help with the electrolytes and it'll help you retain more of the water instead of just peeing it right out. Last piece, sleep. Well, not last piece, last piece. Actually, there's one more piece after that that we should go into. So have a sense of how much sleep you need ahead of time. Like if you're the kind of person who can who needs at least seven hours of sleep or six or can go by by with less, then you need to know how you need to recover if you go by with if you can go by with less. If you can't, then trying to force yourself to not go to, to not sleep enough will probably result in you being in a bad mood or not feeling good the next day. On top of your body trying to acclimate, it's usually a disaster. So get a really good sense of how your sleep patterns work and share that with your partner, especially if it's a new partner, because you might have a different kind of sleep patterns, which means that one partner will want to be up, the other partner will want to sleep, and that could cause conflict. So if you know that ahead of time and you can prepare for it, then when your partner wants to nap or sleep, then you know what to do. You can go out and explore. You can stay at camp and clean up. There's, all, there's different ways you can adjust, adjust this. Also, how do you sleep in the heat? If you don't do it well, if you, most people don't, then make sure you have the right kind of shade so you could be outside of your tent in a shaded area and sleep on a cot or something like it. And also bring earplugs because a lot of people, if you're in a tent, it's like there's nothing. They, you know, you're only protected by the wind and by the dust and a little bit by the sun. But otherwise, in terms of sound, you can hear everything. So earplugs are very, very important. Last but not least, drugs or medicine. It's important to know the difference between the different drugs and different medicines and how your body and your and your mood is affected by them. So the difference between psychedelics or entheogens or, or other kinds of drugs and how they affect you. So knowing that you can have a conversation with your partner ahead of time about how you like to engage in recreational drugs and how that affects you. Some drugs call for a short commitment, like 90 minutes, like GHB. Some calls for hours, like MDMA or 2CB. And some call for a huge commitment, like LSD, 8 to 12 hours. <laughs> you have to be ready for that. Because if you know that your body will need to sleep in 8 hours and then you come back to camp and you're still tripping, then you won't sleep. And then you'll be you'll feel crappy the next day. So you have to you have to gauge and prepare for the, the commitment that the drugs will involve, so that when you, you need to, when you need to sleep, you can sleep. When you're out there and partying, you can go out there and partying, and coordinate that and calibrate that with your partner. Very very important. Are you a modern shaman, alternative healer, psychotherapist, ethnobotanist, or indigenous activist? If so, I'd love to invite you to join me at the upcoming World Ayahuasca Conference in Rio Branco, Brazil on October 17th to 22nd. Check out the incredible lineup of speakers and indigenous leaders at www.ayaconference.com. That's A Y A C 
www.entheonationconference.com and as a member of the Entheonation community, you get to receive a special discount. Simply use the coupon code ENTHEO, that's E-N-T-H-E-O, and you will receive a 15% discount off the 320 euro conference pass. Join me and I will personally introduce you to some of the most amazing experts, leaders, and shamans in the ayahuasca world. See you in the Amazon. That is so important because I can't even believe, I begin to tell you, like, you know, trying to go to sleep after 12 hours of being out in the playa on LSD. And by the time you get back, it's like, you know, at noon, right? And if right. you're in a tent, in a dusty yes. tent on like day and three, hot. oh my God, it just like, that sounds horrendous. You <laughs> might want to find some nice furry pile, you know, like, you know, beanbag piles in like a chill out yeah. zone somewhere and just make that your crash pad, you know? Yes. Yeah, so what I'm saying is like prepare ahead of time, like think ahead of time how the drugs will affect you for how long, what kind of food, what kind of sleep and what kind of water you'll need so that if this is all ready to go. So whenever you whenever you and, and you don't and things overlap in a proper way, and that includes your partner, too. And the last piece about drugs is recreational drugs is keep in mind the drugs that you that can often lead you to a bad trip. Like I have, a, I have a deal with my partner that we will never do new drugs out on the playa because yeah. we've tried it enough times. <laughs> and I do well on new experiences, but she rarely does. One, maybe four times out of five, it will be a bad experience for her. So now we never try anything new. We go with the ones that we know, that we know are awesome, that we know feel good, that we know give us a good mood or, or fun experience. For both of us, reliably. If you're not sure if something is going to give you a reliable experience, better to just avoid it. Or if you do go for it, then realize that this might turn out into a bad experience and be ready with that expectation. Not, not that you expect it to be that way, but you expect that if something goes bad, that you'll know what to do, such as uh, we'll just go back to camp or or I'll need to sleep. And if you don't want to sleep, then we need to know what to do. Because in those moments of bad, of bad trips, uh, you can't think straight. So it's better to think ahead and be ready for an experience that might happen rather than try to decide in the moment who stays up, who can go out, is this okay, is this not okay? Those are all really great tips. Thank you. So how about the whole flyer romance thing because you know uh, you go go there and there's just so many opportunities right if you're single or if you're open or you know there's just lots of people running around really sexy or naked you know and it just seems like having a flyer romance you know it would is actually quite hard to avoid you know i don't know <laughs> i mean uh, <laughs> yes yeah, so well, what would you recommend in terms of uh, how to handle them you know both on the ply and after Burning Man. Well, the, the the main thing, I mean, this particular podcast is about the survival is basically surviving, having your relationship survive Burning Man. And so I'm going to assume in this case that you're with someone, and then the romance would be with someone else. 
either you or your partner and how do you handle that and it could be anywhere from like a nice flirt flirt nice flirtation with somebody at camp or having this sense of openness or the drugs are making you do it or just loosening you up in some ways that you normally wouldn't or maybe that's because the playa is a space of infinite possibility and you feel that and you feel that expansiveness and you want to be able to explore it so how do you how do you handle this so if you're not polyamorous or you're not in an open relationship this can be extremely difficult especially if there's already some rifts in your relationship so i'm not going to recommend going there specifically if if your relationship is not ready for it this is the kind of conversation i have with my clients before burning man but having said that if you feel like your relationship might be up for it and you decide that between each other like what if what if i want to kiss someone what if i want to have sex with someone then it's important again to set the stage for this to go well so a lot of couples decide if they're not already open they decide on this thing called the festival rules and the festival rules is Different rules apply for our relationship while we're at a festival and outside of the festival, they don't apply anymore. So that that just kind of create bookends the time where things can go a little bit crazy or a little bit more loose or a little bit more open in a way that feels safe for the two for for the couple um, like what happens in vegas stays in vegas type of thing exactly totally totally and and we'll get back to that in a second so how do you handle you know, if you if you have a playa romance that you want to continue after the playa, so that's a, that's another thing. So, but if you do have a sense that you want the rules to be different, I created these cards called the boundary cards, which allow each person who is a couple to define with the rules they want the the rules for their partner. So, what's okay, what's not okay, what kind of context would make something okay? So that, they're called the boundary cards, and what couples usually find is that the rules for for example, the rules that I have for you to go out and play and interact with people in a flirty, sexy, sensual way are going to be different than the rules that you have for me in the ways that you're okay with me going out and play. And so it's a very, very critical and important conversation to have because often couples assume that because it's okay for you, it's okay for me. And that's not true. I want to totally highlight that, you know, I, I love how you presented that and, you know, the cards are a fantastic way to do that because it's absolutely true. Like what is okay for one person may not be okay for another person. So I, I, what I've seen in my own relationship history is, you know, sometimes there's like, and I think a lot of people have this too, where if there's this, you know, kind of like judgment on, you know, whether or not like you are okay with something just because the other person is, then there's a lot of conflict, you know, potential conflict. So if you can just accept the fact that boundaries might be in different places and what's going to bother you may not bother the other person, vice versa, then just, you know, clarify the frontiers of uh, your relationship and what's okay and what's not okay. And and that uh, clearly, and that, that I think really is like the most compassionate way to communicate your needs. Yes, and the cards help because you're having an experience defining that boundary for your partner with you're having that experience with the cards. You're not there your partner is not the one asking, Well, what if somebody wants to give me a blowjob? Or what's what if somebody wants to kiss me? Because hearing it from your partner can be super triggering, but when you're considering it in a more neutral way, because the card is saying, Well, what about this? What about that? It's actually 
it's actually not as triggering. And so it allows for a little bit more clarity to emerge rather than trigger. But I have to say the first time my wife did it, because we created this in a really difficult moment in our relationship, she had a really hard time. It wasn't like a walk in the park. It was easier than me asking her, but it was still hard. So the cards will, will definitely bring up some stuff, but it will also eliminate a lot of the unknowns that often creep up. Like you set a boundary, no kissing, and then then your partner comes back and they're like, well, you said no kissing, but she gave me a blowjob. I hope that was okay. (laughs) 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 However, however, it's a funny example because most people are, the reason is because most people are thinking, well, yeah, blowjob is way more intimate, but that's not necessarily true. For some people, kissing is more intimate. That's really interesting. So yes. it's good to know that's not always true in the in the order of like the bases, like first base, second base, third base. It's not always true that if somebody is not okay with first base, that it means they're not okay with everything else. That's where the cards come in. They eliminate all this unknown and all these, what do you call that, loops? There's a name for it. Anyway, these... these no, no, it's, it's, it's when people find the things that the rules didn't cover. Uh, gaps, gaps, the gap. Yeah. Gaps in the rules or whatever you call uh, that. Right. Yeah. So having said that, essentially the conversation with the cards and the conversation with your partner is about figuring out what types of experiences are okay or not okay. And is it going to be with other, uh, separately or together? There's a playa romance or a playa. When I say romance, I also mean it could be a sexual experience or a sensual experience. How many experiences are okay? I mean, I've had my wife tell me, you can have three experiences, and these are the boundaries for the experiences. And I did, and it was awesome, because I felt like I I stayed within the bounds, and uh, she still had a hard time, but not because of the number of experiences, it's because because of the type of experiences. But having said that, to be able to set boundaries just tonight versus not with our friends, I mean, all of these things kind of help figure out what's okay and what's not okay. And... It's important to know that even if somebody says, I'm okay with this, that the reality of it will be different, possibly different than the imagining of it. So the the forecasting, just like the weather, forecasting is an imprecise art or science, depending on how you look at it. And so it's good to know. You can't just say, well, you said you were going to be okay with me kissing somebody else. And then it turns out that you kissed the wrong person and they kissed the wrong person. They kissed at the wrong time. I said I was okay. I know, but I'm still, I don't feel okay. And so these conversations happen and you can't blame people for having a real experience based on a real event that's different than what they expressed would happen if they didn't have, if what would happen hypothetically. And then, uh, and then there's also uh, what sort of check-in needs to happen when an experience does happen? What kind of check-in with your partner? Like, how do you come to your partner and say, "Hey, I just did this," or "I did this last night"? Like, when when is the check-in supposed to happen? How does it look like? Do you come to your partner and say, "Hey, I just had sex with someone," and they're like, "What? I don't know. Wait, where did that come from?" Because they're not ready versus. Hey, I had an experience with somebody last night. I'd like to share it with you. Uh, let me know when you're ready. And then at least emotionally, the person can just brace themselves, you know, not in the middle of like between, not between two bites of their lunch, 
And then they can say, okay, tell me what happened and tell me this level of details. I don't want to know who it is or I do want to know who it is or I, I want to know this, you know, what basis. Was it first base, second base, third base? Or So all these conversations are, are good to have. And and I just I just want to say I'm giving you like a, 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 you know, a few nuggets here. But the reality of it is this is a practice. So it's a bit of a crapshoot when you do it and you've never done it before. It might turn out great or it might turn out awful because you don't know the sensitivities of your partner in that particular regard. Once you've practiced it many times and you know how you react to their sensitivity, because it's not just about them after you have an experience with someone, it's about them having an experience and then what's your response about what you shared and then how this kind of spirals either into goodness or into the pits of hell. It's of hell. Oh yeah. my goodness. <laughs> All so, right. <laughs> so I just want to let you know that we're coming to the end of our interview time here. So let's okay. take this back from the pits of hell. I want to ask you my favorite question, uh, uh-huh. which is, you know, Philippe, what was the most uh, visionary experience you've had at Burning Man? Oh, wow. Yeah. You asked me, you told me earlier that you were going to ask me that. And I was like, wow, this is a long story. So I'm going to try to keep it short. 1999, I joined a particular camp called the Burning Man Opera. Most people haven't heard of it unless, unless they've been going to Burning Man for many years. This was something I witnessed the year before in 98, and I was immediately smitten. I fell in love with the whole idea, which, is to, which was to essentially create a story, a ritual performance where people would go deep into their character and essentially embody their character and become their character for the week and engage with the other participants of the camp and figure out their their costumes, their choreography, as they figure out the story as it was created and unfolding on the playa uh, and even before the playa. So for our year, the year that I participated, it was based on Haitian voodoo. And uh, and it was one of the most the most deepest transformative experience I've ever had. It was a it was a real a primary religious experience, as some people call it. I literally became this this general as I interacted with people. Even my girlfriend was like, "Who are you? And what did you do with my boyfriend?" And it felt as it happens in Haitian voodoo, I felt literally guided by a spirit, by the spirit of this general, and. Uh, and it gave me great power and, and gr- a great sense of myself. And then after the performance, after we finished the performance, I felt that spirit leave. And I spent years after that refinding, finding that power again for myself because that spirit wasn't there to support, to support me. So it was just a deep, intense experience and also an experience of loss and grief after the performance and after I felt like, you know, after it felt like the performance was over. So maybe that's what we call visionary. I don't know, but it was it amazing. It to me like a very, very much a mediumship work. Um, you know, there's a uh, lot of, uh, you know, spiritual communities in Brazil that still do that kind of work, but in a much more, um, I don't know, I mean, like ser- traditionally ceremonial, uh, you know, container. But at the same time, you know, Burning Man is one big ritual. So it wouldn't at all surprise me that you would have a real experience of spirit incorporation and how that, that would actually affect you. So, oh, uh, yeah, that's great. Oh, and uh, we're not going to have the time to talk about it, but uh, 
over time, I came up with these uh, these things I call the 10 rules of Burning Man. And I did mention it a little bit earlier, so I'll make sure that it's on the website so you can look them up. Uh, they're very useful to have. I could just say them right now or I can just put them on the website. It's really, uh, it's yeah. really useful. Why don't you say the 10 rules and then, uh, I want to explain and then also let people know how we can best stay in touch with you. And then I'll make sure that the link to the 10 rules is in the show notes. Yeah, well, I will. I will also include the the uh, the link to the uh, to the tips because because uh, those are going to be useful. So uh, here are the rules. Rule number one: you have to pee once in a while. This is very practical. Rule number two: uh, don't step in it. Rule number three: very very the most important rule: it's not about you. Uh, rule number four: unless it is about you. And rule number five: when the ship sets sail, it sets sail. This is for all the camps who are trying to leave their camp. All the people and trying to leave their camp, and everybody's going back. Rule number six: oh, what is the rule number six? Wow, mm. no more FOMO. I was just thinking about you earlier. No more FOMO. So be in a moment, essentially. But it's no more FOMO. It sounds much better. Uh, rule number seven and eight, intentionally left blank because you will have to add your own rules, the things that work best for you, the things that you just need to remember at all times because this will give you a much better experience. Rule number nine, everyone should have their orgasm. Everybody feels better when that happens. And rule number 10, the most important, it's time to go. And that's when you're at camp and you're at camp, music is not that great. And everybody can turn around to each other and say, rule number 10, let's go. There you go. I love it. Thank you so much. So now it's time to go. And how should people best take that? That's right. You can find me on exquisite.love, www.exquisite.love. If you need some more prep for your Burning Man experience, contact me. I do Skype. I do phone. And I will also meet you in the Bay, in the Bay Area. Otherwise, uh, you'll see my list of tips. And there'll be all my contact information on the website. So... We're good to go. All right. Thank you so much. That was really enjoyable. <laughs> and uh, I, yeah, I hope to run into you again on the playa. Whenever I see you, I always, uh, I, I'm always happy. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. We've known each other for a long time, and I really, really value our friendship. Thank you, yeah, Lorna. Totally, man. Okay, have a good one. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. That was Philippe Lewis, exquisite lover, relationship, and intimacy coach, and I so enjoyed his sage advice on fully optimizing the transformation of transformational festivals to deepen love, intimacy, and have an epically good time. I cannot wait to put these juicy tips into action the next time I'm at a conscious music festival with a lover, and I'm definitely going to give his card game a test drive. I particularly liked his point that each individual has different boundaries, so to assume that what's okay for you is automatically going to be okay for your beloved, that's a recipe for conflict. Another common conflict trigger is to make your beloved morally wrong for not having the same boundaries as you. This is particularly tricky if what you want veers away from the socially accepted norms of your culture and community. This is why if you're living an alternative lifestyle, communicating boundaries, enrolling your partner in what you want, and expressing gratitude for their willingness to push their comfort zone so that you can have your quote-unquote unusual need met are very good skills to cultivate. I won't be at Burning Man this year, but I will be back in California for symbiosis. So if any of you listening will be there, please look out for the solar-powered white Dodge Sprinter van with the Entheonation logo on the side, or send me a message on Facebook at facebook.com slash Entheonation. 
I'm going to leave you now with the music of The Human Experience. This song is called Beads in the Wind, and it's a collaboration between David Block and Kristen Pixton from the album Embraced. Check out the lovely music video with fire dancers on the beach at night on the show notes at entheonation.com slash 26. Want to discover more high vibrational music from the Entheonation tribe of visionary musicians? Mosey on over to youtube.com slash entheonation to discover playlists that you can trip to. See you next time. This fascination with freedom in your head.
Not gonna be. 